You are listening to content from Christ Our Hope Anglican Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. For more information, you can find us on the web at ChristOurHopeAnglican.org. And now, here's today's message. Uh, Today, uh, with Father Jeremy's permission, uh, and actually encouragement, I'm going to share a new method of preaching the word with you, new to you, so so he tells me. It's called the storytelling method, and and it requires your participation. (laughs) So yes, I'm going to put you on the spot. I may look at you and encourage you to speak up even, okay? And, and I learned this from missionaries that I worked with in Pakistan and Africa who don't always have the word of God with them in the language of the people's hearts. So they have to memorize it in their language, okay? And this is how the storytelling method works. We're going to circle back to our gospel and focus on our gospel, and I'm going to repeat it in my own words. All right, so you, but you can cheat, all right? You can have your little Bibles or phone apps or whatever you want handy, and you can be looking around and say, oh, he missed that, or he missed that, and that's okay. <laughs> that's okay, you can correct me. And then we're going to do it together. We're going to retell the passage, and you are going to participate, and I'm going to ask you, what did Jesus do? What happened next? What did he say? And then we'll come to the end point where it's the important part. How do we apply this to our lives? And I want you to think about it on three levels. First one, we're just going to reiterate, what does the text say? What's the Bible saying today? What are the words on the page? Okay, And that will do as we retell the story. The second application is, what is the text? And God the Holy Spirit saying to me as an individual, is God calling me? to something maybe new today. Maybe I learned something new today in my heart and mind about how God is calling me. And the third, and maybe this is the most important, is what is God saying to the church? Yes to your church, and yes to the wider church. And, and none of this is in a vacuum, right? Because life happens, news happens, things change. Maybe there's something in this week that God is calling you and the church to respond to in a new way and in a challenging way. And, and make no mistake about it, Jesus' words today are very challenging, are very challenging. They were challenging then, and they'll be challenging for us. So you heard the gospel once. I'm going to repeat it to you now. Don't forget the other readings, especially verse 22 of, of chapter 5 of Galatians. Remember what was in verse 22 of chapter 5 of Galatians? The fruit of the Spirit. Okay, so I'll, I'll remind you of that a little bit later. Okay, so in, in chapter 9 of Luke's gospel, we're told that um, Jesus was going to Jerusalem where he would be lifted up, right? Lifted up. And his face was set. Other translations said his face was set like flint, reminding us of Isaiah chapter 50 where Isaiah was, was focused so much on God's mission for him. Jesus was focused on his mission, which would culminate in Jerusalem. And over the next 10 chapters of Luke's gospel, we see Jesus on the way 
to Jerusalem until he gets there in, later in chapter 19. But right now he's cutting through from Galilee to Samaria, through Samaria. And as, as you may know, Samaritans and Jews did not get along, right? Jews looked down on Samaritans. Samaritans despised the Jews and Jerusalem for that matter. But Jesus was headed. He could have gone around. He chose to go through Samaria. And he sent his peeps out his disciples ahead of him to prepare people to hear his message of salvation. And it says that the people rejected him because he was intent on going to Jerusalem. Like, aren't you going to stay here with us? Aren't we worth teaching? And he was just going to pass through and share some time. And James and John, the sons of thunder, maybe this is where Jesus gave them their name, right? They said, Lord, do you want us to call down fire and brimstone to smoke these folks? Because they're rejecting you, and we hear Jesus rebuke them. He rebukes them and sends them on to the next village. And as they were going along the way, someone comes up to Jesus and says, Lord, I'll follow you. And Jesus says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And he called another to follow him. And he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead. Your job is to proclaim the kingdom of God. And finally, someone else says, Lord, I will follow you. But first, let me say goodbye to those in my house. And Jesus says to him, what does he say? No, we, we buried the dead already. Right, reminiscent of, of the Elijah passage, right? Whoever puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. Okay, how'd we do? Not bad, I flubbed the end a little bit, but not too bad. Okay, A minus, thank you, you're very generous. That is part of the fruit of the Spirit, grace, right? Graciousness, you were gracious toward me, thank you, brother. So now I'm going to invite you into the story, okay? Where are we in Luke's gospel? Where is Jesus? On his way to Jerusalem, right? And, and what is he focused on? Being lifted up. Being lifted up. What does that mean? What, what is Luke referring to? Crucifixion. When the Son of Man is lifted up, all nations will come to him, right? Any other context? Any other thing we can talk about being lifted up? Resurrection. Resurrection. Yeah, I think it's a both end, not an either or. Right? Because this is what the gospel will culminate in. This will be the culmination of, of Luke's gospel is Jesus' resurrection and the launch pad for Luke's second book, The Acts of the Apostles. Luke is very, very focused on resurrection, but the path to resurrection went through Golgotha, right? The cross. So Jesus is focused on his mission to go to Jerusalem, heading south from Galilee, passing through what kind of country now? Samaria. Samaria. Do Samaritan Jews get along? No. Why not? Why do they look down on them? They were half-breeds. Half-breed what? Like cowboys and Indians half-breeds? 
Jews and Assyrians. Jews and Syrians, right. From all the conquests that happened to the Hebrew people, right, with the Babylonians, the Syrians, the Assyrians, right, they were intermingled and mixed, and so was what else? Not only was their blood intermingled, but what else? Their faith was very much intermingled, right? They worshipped on the high places like the Canaanites did, right? Sacrificing who knows what to who knows what. So the Jews looked down on the Samaritans, right? And were the Samaritans receptive to Jesus? The woman was. <laughs> okay, that's John's gospel. Let's not confuse. And that's a very important, that's a completely different message for a completely different day. I'll leave that to Father Jeremy. But what, what happens now? They're saying, what about us? What are we, chopped liver? <laughs> and so what does Jesus do? Oh, oh, wait a minute. Then Somebody says something when they reject him. Should we call down fire to smote them, right? Maybe they were thinking of Sodom and Gomorrah or something like that. And what does Jesus say? What does Jesus say when James and John... He, he, right, he corrects them. And says, no, what, why do you think he did that? Well, not their place to judge. It wasn't their place to judge. That's right. And what, what is Jesus saying about himself right now, too? And even if they're against him, he's not going to judge them. Yeah, he wasn't going to judge them either. Judgment was coming later, not now. Why, why do you think that was for Jesus? Did you, he loved the Samaritans. If he loved the Samaritans, who else does he, did he love, or does he love? Everybody. Everybody, right? What's in their blood doesn't matter, and perhaps even who they're worshiping now doesn't matter. Jesus wanted to give them a chance, didn't he, to accept them. So, so what does he do with James and John and his disciples? Go to the next village. Let's find somebody. Because that's the, and that's the message he's going to give to the 72 when he sends them out in the next chapter, right? If, if they reject you in this town, go to, shake the dust off your feet and go to the next town. And what does he encounter on the way to the next village? People who want to follow him. Yeah. What, what kind of interaction goes on there with the first person? We don't know if it's a man or a woman. It doesn't really say. It doesn't really matter. What happens? Well, they say they'll, they'll follow him, and he tells them that he has no home. Yeah. Place to sleep. Yeah. Well, why do you think he answered that way? It raises the stakes a little. Ooh, it raises the stakes. In what way? Yeah, following Jesus could be a bumpy road, right? You, you, know, you know, when you get in an airplane and the pilot comes on and says, we're going to hit some turbulence, you better buckle your seatbelts? Maybe following Jesus requires having your seatbelt fastened because we're going to hit a little turbulence. You ever hit a little turbulence? Are you ever challenged in your life because you want to follow Jesus? In your personal life, is it challenging to you personally? The message says, are you ready to rough it? We're not seeing in the best ends, you know. Oh, was that the me Oh, I love that. We're going to be camping out, right? We, we never hear on this journey over the next 10 chapters, there aren't too many nights, I think, when they slept indoors. 
right? They, they did rough it. They did rough it. That's, thank you for, for pulling that out. What, what was the next encounter for Jesus? Wow, what does Jesus say to him? Oh, Jesus, you're brutal now, aren't you? Pretty harsh. You know, the, 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 and, and it's kind of counterintuitive if you were a Jewish person reading this because that was a sacred honor to make sure you buried your dead. And it was, it was like a year-long commitment, right? Because they had a multiple-step process for laying their dead to rest. They would put them in a tomb, wrapped, wrapped in linen, adorned with spices and all that. The body would decompose over the course of a year or so till they were left with a pile of bones. And then they would reverently align these, these bones in what they called an ostuary, a small box, and then put it in the family tomb or in the family burial ground. So it was a big commitment to say I was going to bury my father. It means I'm settling here for another year, Jesus. Come back on your way back through next year. What do, you, what do you think of Jesus' words of let the dead bury their own dead? Spiritually dead? Okay. If they weren't aligned with God and his teaching and the kingdom of God, maybe they weren't ready to follow along with me. Maybe you're not ready along to follow with me. What else could it be? Let the dead bury their own dead. We have new life to proclaim to people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How does that relate to what the words that Jesus says over and over again? He, he gives that phrase, kingdom of God. Is at hand. Is at hand. And, and what is that? What, what should that bring to mind for Jesus' people back then and for Jesus' people today? There's no time left. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is here. And our God is the God of the living and not the dead, Jesus says elsewhere, right? Right? So be alive. Don't be concerned about what's decaying. Be invested in life, the life of God. Who's the next encounter with? The, the, the guy who's, who, who uh, wants to um, say, say so long to the folks at home. Right? And Jesus, and Jesus says to him, what? If he who takes his... Plow and looks back is not worthy of the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, yeah. I I have this this. Uh, my wife says I'm a terrible driver, yeah, and yet I made it here safely today. Um, but I I love especially. I've only been in Colorado a couple of years. I love the scenery. I love seeing the animals that you know we get to see all the time. And I am forever. Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. And when I do, you know what happens? I wind up swerving a little. And my wife is holding on. What are you doing? Look down the road. And, and I think maybe the same connotation came in with the plow, right? If you're plowing, if you're following those big beasts, plowing up the earth, and you look, you're not going to have a straight row, are you? Could there be something to that in what Jesus was saying? To follow the straight and narrow? All right, so we just went through the passage. We just reiterated, right, what the text said. Here are the words, okay? And we had some new translations brought in which, which enlightened 
those words that we read from, from the ESV. So now I want you to think about, okay, we read it back in the context of whatever it was, 31, 32, 33 AD. What about 2022 in Fort Collins? What's the text saying to you? How do Jesus' words, how do Jesus' actions point you in your life today? Me, part of it is that I need to uh, allow my children to go and do what God has for them to do, even if it's scary for me or they won't have a home or something like that. What kinds of things are your children doing? Do you mind sharing? Well, I was particularly thinking when my children were in Uganda, and I, every, I felt like the Lord told me to take up your, your cross, and I didn't do a very good job of that. And I felt really guilty for a long time until some friends prayed for me. And uh, one of my sons is a priest, and you know what that means. <laughs> I do. <laughs> and you do now, too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. So you wanted to control? Me? Yeah. <laughs> like every other good parent, right? You know what's best for your children. Exactly. Right. But maybe God has another plan? And are we open to his plan? Yeah. Yeah. From Jesus' words and the actions we see, do we get the idea... And think about this, maybe if you're reading this for the first time, it's probably not the first time you're exposed to this, but if you're reading this for the first time, would you think that it's, from what Jesus says, that following Jesus is like no big deal. This is easy. I got this. What's, what it's interesting to me is that those who aren't interested in showing, or for those who aren't interested in following him, he actually has more like, least mercy or a softness to him with the Samaritans. Like, no, we're not going to smoke them. So when everyone's like, hey, I'm going to follow you, he's, the line is really hard. And it, uh, like to our modern ears, it sounds like, you're, you're off, you're crazy. <laughs> it, it, sounds, it sounds unloving. It sounds unloving. This, this is a high cost, right? I thought salvation was free. Do, do, do we sense a conflict in the fact that Salvation is a gift from God. We receive it by grace through faith. It is not of our own doing, right? That's what Paul will tell us in Ephesians. And here, we're hearing there's a cost to following Jesus. How do we reconcile that in our lives? We don't have to pay the cost. It's still our choice, right? It, that's right. There is a choice. There is, and every, every one of these people get a choice, right? Yeah. I guess I think that the, the gift is free, but living it out, I've got to make some choices that may cost me. That's right. That's right. That's right. That, that the gift is free, that it is a free, that your salvation is secured by the, by the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, right? No argument there. Your fate is sealed. You are saved by grace through faith. It is not of your own doing. However, our friend tells us there's a cost. There's a cost. And it's somewhat burdensome. And it calls us away from normal life. 
Is that possible? How do we reconcile that? Does Paul give us any clues with that gifts of the Spirit? Well, yeah, Galatians, the gifts of the Spirit, you're not going to be able to live out the fruit of the Spirit without paying a price for it. Because you can't do any of those things on your own. So there's where that where the, those two things meet. You can't bear the fruit of the Spirit in your own flesh. So that's where the power of God empowers you to be transformed into the image He wants you to be. But it's not you that's doing it. <laughs> Does everybody hear what Joe's saying? What the other Joe was saying? Everybody here? But there's a price to pay. There's still a cost. Right. You're going to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Right. And what is that cost? Your old life, your flesh, your... Selfishness. And yeah. Everything. Yeah. 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 Does anyone have your Bibles open to that, to that um, Galatians passage? Does anyone have a... Uh, you know, my Bible has little um, words in bold that kind of introduce the passage. Anybody, ha anybody have any words above this passage? Galatians 5? Yeah, yeah. Walk by the Spirit. Mine says freedom in Christ. Freedom in Christ <laughs> carries something with it, doesn't it? And, and what our friend Joe told us is that we can't do it on. But thanks be to God, through Christ, we don't have to do it alone, do we? Because he's given us the spirit, the spirit of truth, the spirit of conviction, the holy counselor, the holy comforter, who when we open ourselves up to Jesus, empowers us with the courage, with the wisdom, with the will, with the inclination to walk out our lives as Jesus called us to. We don't have to do it on our own. And I think more poignantly what Joe says, we can't do it on our own, can we? We can't will ourselves to be good Jesus followers, can we? Yes, God implores us to act right, to be surrendering our lives to Christ so that he can empower us. I, I think if the church, if, if the Christian church were to have a flag, you know, there's a lot of flag waving going around these days, isn't there? I, 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 my opinion, you, you can take this and throw it out or do whatever you want with it, that the flag of the Christian is a white flag of surrender, right? That we surrender our hearts, our lives, our minds, our wills to God. It's to... a matter of trust in Jesus. Amen. Amen. That's right. And I will be with you always, right? I will be with you always when we lean into him. So any takeaways for the church? Any takeaways for the church? We've heard some individuals say how it speaks to them. Yes? We're not to judge those who are elders. Amen. Do you hear that? 
We're not to judge. We're to love others. Judge not lest ye be judged, right? Jesus' words. What else? Yeah. It's not going to be easy, right? But expect God to be with you. Amen. 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 Any other insights for the church? How easy is it for the church to be uh, distracted by things? You know, want to bury its own dead. That's right. We do it every day, don't we? Right? And some of the loudest mouthpiece in the, you know, the worldwide church are so focused on that. Is that what God is calling the church to be in 2022 in Fort Collins or in other places? Yes, no? No, I don't think so either. So as, as you walk into this week, and welcome back, Father Jeremy, next week, I'd like you to prayerfully think about these things a little bit deeper. Maybe in your quiet time, if you take some quiet time with God's word and in prayer, lean into him to inspire you to what things you can be doing differently, perhaps even what things the church can be doing differently to more resolutely follow Jesus, keeping our hands on the plow and facing him, right, as our leader as our one who inspires us, as the one who gives us life and faith and truth, and to follow him more intently in the days and months to come. Because as in their time, following Jesus does come at a cost, doesn't it? And the road will be bumpy sometimes. But when we're facing him and facing him alone, and not getting distracted by all of that stuff, by the death, by the loud mouthpieces, right, who speak anger and judgment and all of those other things. Can we share the light and truth and love of Christ as he's calling us to do right here, right now, where he's planted us? Amen? Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy upon us sinners, Lord. Empower our mustard seed of faith to grow and to blossom, not just as individuals, Lord, but as your body here in Fort Collins, that we will not just be the hope of Christ, but we will shine the hope and light and love of Christ into all those lives that we meet with in the coming week and year. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. This sermon is an audio ministry from Christ Our Hope Anglican Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. If you are in the area and would like to learn more about how you can worship with us in person or online, please visit us on the web at www.christourhopeanglican.org.